So stronger with joy, that's what we're talking about tonight. And before I start talking about that, um, I think one of the best things about living in Tasmania, one of the great privileges that we have of, uh, of living in a place like Tasmania is we're surrounded by just amazing scenery, like world-class nature, world-class wilderness. It's, it's incredible. Um, and admittedly, like, I don't nearly get out as much as I would like into that nature and into that wilderness, but, um, but I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story of um, a couple years ago where I had such an experience, and it was probably my most profound wilderness-like nature experience I've ever had. Um, me and a few uni buddies a couple years ago, we decided that we were going to have, uh, we were going to do a three-day trek um, in and around Mount Anne. Now, uh, Mount Anne, as you'll see on this picture eventually, um, it is just gorgeous. It is uh, down amongst a bunch of little mountains uh, in the southwest wilderness of Tasmania, and it is so pristine and untouched. It is just incredible. And uh, we were really well organized. We had uh, packed up everything into these 18-kilo bags. We had, you know, brand-new hiking boots. We were so pumped. Uh, it was the end of the year, too, so we were, like, done with uni for the year, and it was time to kick off the holidays. Uh, we even got a guide involved, as somebody who'd done it before. He actually apparently did our three-day trek in 24 hours with his brother, like, years ago. And so we thought it was a good idea to bring him along to make sure we didn't die. Um, and so we all piled in a bus, we took, we took off down into the southwest corner of Tasmania, or almost thereabouts, and, um, and we hopped out, and uh, we're getting all our stuff ready, and uh, we, you know, we're piling our bags out, we're tying our boots up, there's a creek that's running by, um, right at the base of the, of the circuit where we're about to start, and, uh, and our guide, his name is Murray, um, he pulls us together and we huddle up and he's like, all right guys, I want to tell you something. Um, so in the first five or six hours of this trek, we're going to be doing this, like just this, for five or six hours. So it would be a really good idea if you try and shed off as much weight as you possibly can because you do not want to be carrying you know, too much weight up this for, for the first day. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. So he said, first thing, um, if you've got any big water canisters with you, which you should always have when you go, when you go trekking anywhere in the Tassie wilderness, uh, empty those out because there is a creek right here and, uh, and there is a rainwater tank and a faucet about halfway up um, and then also there are creeks that follow on after that. So um, you'll only really need one of these. Just fill that up on the creek down here, uh, and then we'll kick off. We'll be ready to roll. So that's what we did. We're pulling all our water out, and uh, we just fill up this size water bottle, and off we go. We're really pumped. Um, there's a photo of us around here, hopefully, eventually. There is a photo of, uh, of us, the intrepid travelers. The tall, skinny one at the back is me. And, uh, and that is us just about to head out. And uh, so we were really excited. We were about, um, you know, half an hour into our trek, we realized that this is hard yakka um, in the December sun in the middle of nowhere with 18 kilos on your back. And um, I'm not going to lie to you, in about an hour, these were empty. Um, it wasn't long before sweat is just pouring off us. Um, you know, we are running out of water really quick. So we, we yell out ahead to Murray, who's like, you know, climbing up like a mountain goat. We're like, hey, where's this, where's this, uh, where's this water tank? Where's this tap that you were talking about? And he's like, oh, don't worry. It's only like half an hour ahead. It's just over that ridge there. And we're like, cool. So then an hour later, two and a half hours in, we're like, 
Where is this tank? We've been looking at our empty water bottles now for an hour and a half, and you said that half an hour ago we were going to get water. Like, wh where is this water? And he's like, oh, don't worry. It's, it's only 30 minutes ahead. Like, it's only just, you know, it's just up there a little bit further. We're like, we're dying here. Well, you know, sweat is pouring off us. We're sucking air. My mouth is going dry. Um, no, nah, no water. So then another hour and a half goes by. We still haven't found any water. Like, my legs are shaking. They're taking turns, cramping up. And um, there's a photo here of, of, um, of me sort of three-quarters of the way up. I am so dead at this point. So if you could see the road, or I think actually that's the river there, but the road just comes uh, really close to that. And we had made our way all the way up and over here. We are so exhausted at this stage, waiting to see where this water is. And Murray's still saying, oh, it's, don't worry, it's only 30 minutes ahead. And we're like, you said that three hours ago. We are dying back here. And uh, anyway, long story short, five and a half hours into our trek, we finally hit the beloved rainwater tank and its faucet. And I'm not going to lie, we spent a good 45 minutes there just, um, just lying underneath the faucet. We drained that whole sucker. Um, we didn't really care about who was coming after us because we, like, we were in love with that water tank at that time. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But... The reason I tell you that story is because if you're, if you're willing to play with me a little bit metaphorically here, um, this is, I feel like this is a little bit how we approach life. When we start out at the beginning of a new season, whether it's a new school year, maybe it's a new job or, or a new season in life, we have everything we need, you know, we're packed up, we're ready to go, we've got our new boots, we've got our water bottles, you know, they're full of, I like to call these our, our drink bottles of happiness, they're kind of full up and we're ready to roll, we're excited. Um, but pretty soon the reality hits us that life, by and large, is this. Life is like an uphill climb. It, it can be struggle street sometimes. And when you're in the hot sun, all that stuff that you thought you were going to need, that starts getting real heavy. And pretty soon, an hour and a half later, a week and a half later, a year and a half later, this is long since empty. You've like well run out of, um, of happiness. And, and it's, it's just the reality, like that's, that's how we work as people. And um, if you have a look on Google, like the number one recommendation that comes up when you type in how to be, what do you think comes up? How to be happy. Like people want to know how to top this up in a life where we're constantly draining this. And the world will tell you again and again, don't worry, don't worry, the, the water fountain, your happiness, it's only half an hour away. You only, you only need that new car, or maybe you, um, you, know, you just need to listen to that new album that you bought, or maybe you just need to uh, get that lunch that you've been hankering for all week, or just go see that movie. And don't worry, it's only half an hour away. It's only half an hour away. More happiness is only half an hour away. But the truth is, I don't really think it's happiness that people are searching for and holding out for. Um, I think what they're looking for is joy, and there's quite a big difference there between happiness and joy, and that's what we're going to dig into a little bit um, tonight. So in order to do that, we're going to have a look in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Um, Nehemiah is an awesome book. If you ever have time to read the whole thing, let's be honest, we could probably make time, um, then I highly recommend that you do, because Nehemiah is an awesome, charismatic, statesman-like leader who led the people of Israel um, out of kind of like a weird refugee status they had going on, where they had been exiled to another country, 
And then the king of that country said, you guys are free to go home now. You can go back and start rebuilding your lives. And Nehemiah led the charge with that. Him, alongside with Ezra, the chief priest at the time, led the charge to bring Israel back to their homeland. And now there's a bit of a national revival going on. They're reviving everything that it is to be an Israelite. You know, they're rebuilding their culture. They're rebuilding what it means to be an Israelite in this day and age. And uh, so by the time we get to chapter 8, you know, this revival is in full swing. Um, The context of this is that Ezra and Nehemiah have been reading out the word of the Lord that had been gone for ages. They've found it, and they're reading it out to all the people in the nation of Israel. And the people, are they're grief-stricken. They can't believe all of the things that they have done wrong against God or how they have grieved God or how they have let him down. Uh, over the last couple of uh, hundred years. And um, so we pick up in verse 9, verse 9 and 10 of Nehemiah chapter 8, and it says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food, and sweet drinks. Yeah, I like the sound of this. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's an amazing response to this this sea of people that are grief-stricken by what they, you know, by the way that they have let God down. But here's the thing, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, I heard this phrase a lot growing up. Like you hear it, I feel like if you're a part of Christian culture long enough, you hear this phrase popping up. And I, honestly, I went for years without knowing where that phrase came from. Um, and when I found out it was in Nehemiah, I was quite surprised. But here's the thing, um, what I want to talk about today is that there is a very big difference between happiness, which ebbs and flows, it comes and goes, and joy, which is an under, underpinning, underlining choice that we make. And I strongly believe that when we choose joy, we find strength that we need for this life. When we choose joy, we find strength. Now, look, I realize that we all have different personalities, and um, some of us, you know, are just naturally a little bit more upbeat than others, and, you know, we might respond with our emotions um, differently to the person sitting next to us. And that's okay. That's not really what I'm talking about here. Um, what I'm talking about is, is a choice. It's a, it's, a, it's a state of the heart. It's a state of the mind. Um, it's, a, it's almost a posture, if you like, or an approach um, to life that when we choose joy, we can find strength. And I strongly believe that God and His Word should provide that underlining, never-failing source of joy for us. Because here's the thing, like happiness, it runs out, right? We, like, we top it up and it runs down again. We top it up, it runs down again. But joy can completely underpin what we feel, how we feel, what we're experiencing. And, and that does not mean that we don't feel grief, that we don't feel sorrow, that we don't feel sadness. I mean, let's have a look at um, probably one of the most emo books in the Bible, the book of Psalms. The writers of the Psalms are so emotionally all over the place It's incredible. They are so expressive with how they're feeling. I mean, um, Psalm 13, for example, says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes. 
or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I've overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. I don't know about you. I mean, if I, if I wrote those words, I wouldn't use happiness as a word to describe my emotions at that particular point in time. Um, you know, that's some really dark stuff. But here's the thing with joy. It underlines the emotions that the psalmist is feeling. And he finishes up that psalm by saying, but I trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. What a turnaround. Like, it's a complete 180 from where he starts that thing. And, and here's the thing. I, I get it that choosing joy doesn't come naturally to us. You know, we, are, we respond to our emotions differently, and those emotions often guide the way that we uh, make choices, and it often influences the way we make choices. And honestly, choosing joy is a huge step of faith. Choosing joy is a huge step of faith. It does not come naturally. I don't know about you, but just for an example, like if I make a mess, if I mess up, if I screw up a, a relationship or do something that I know that I should, should not have, if I uh, sin, that's basically just a word that means if I go against everything that God stands for in my actions, in my words, in my thoughts, my response to that is not ever going to be happiness. My response to that is, is, is shame, is a feeling of, uh, wow, I've, I've messed up again. Um, I've hurt that person. It's never going to naturally gravitate towards thinking, oh my gosh, God is amazing. But here's the thing. The, like, choosing joy in that circumstance means knowing that we are forgiven. It's impossible, just as a starting point here, just as we start out tonight, it's impossible for us to truly experience joy without knowing that we are truly forgiven. And this is a huge step of faith because just as much as it takes a step of faith to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins in our place so that we could have our relationship restored with him, it is just as big a step of faith to actually believe, step under that and say, yes, I know that I am forgiven. I know that everything that Christ has done for me on the cross is enough. And, I mean, let's just have a look at the, the, the people of Israel, for example, in Nehemiah 8. You know, they knew that they had messed up against God. They had spent the whole day listening to the ways that they had grieved God, and their hearts were repentant. They wanted to turn away from what they had been doing. And God had forgiven them. And that's what Nehemiah and Ezra are saying, guys, you're forgiven. Now's not the time to keep on grieving and keep on weeping about what you've done. You know now that you are forgiven. So get up, enjoy yourself, throw a party. Enjoy the fact that you are forgiven. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm not, I'm not really saying that we go through life, you know, flippant, as if like, oh, we don't have to worry about any of that because God's got it all. I'll just go through life and I do whatever I want. It's okay because God's got it. It's about choosing, it's about choosing that His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness is where we should live. It's an appreciation. It's a worship of that fact. And yes, like we need to visit repentance as often as we need to. We know that we're going to make mistakes, and that's fine. We know that we need to visit repentance as often as we need to, but we need to choose to live here under grace, under His forgiveness. 
But it's not just grace and forgiveness. That's not all that God is. God is so much more than that. His attributes extend so much further than that. He, he's the source of creativity, and um, there is so much that we enjoy in this world because of the attributes of God. You think about it, like creative expression, you know, music, art, dancing, all those things that, that really top up our happiness meter. I don't know about you. For me, music is a big one. Like, I really enjoy that. Um, but all of those are expressions of attributes of God. His creativity, His love, His mercy, His goodness to us is all expressed through all of those things that we enjoy. The key here, the key here to choosing joy is that we can't be in love with the gift. We can't find our ultimate sense of fulfillment or happiness in the gift that we are given. We need to fall in love with the giver and we need to appreciate and find joy in the one who gives it to us. Now, why would, we, why would we be doing all this? Like I said at the start, when we choose joy, we find strength for this life, and we find strength against the accusations that come against us. Um, when you have that voice inside of you that says, yeah, no, that, that's not who you are. I mean, you might think you're trying to be a nice person here, but I know you're really selfish, um, I know that you struggle with lust. I know that you, uh, um, you are not the person who you say you are. There are accusations that come from not just ourselves, but from other people. You know, judgments, dirty looks, maybe just someone flat out telling you to your face. Um, and when we choose joy, we have strength to face those accusations by looking to the cross and seeing that in the image of Christ on the cross, his blood on the cross speaks joy over us. Because when we can see ourselves as forgiven, as redeemed, as made whole with him, it doesn't matter what accusations come against us. It doesn't, I'm not saying it doesn't affect us. That stuff still hurts. That stuff to, still makes us bleed. But we can know that underlying that, we can hold on to the truth. We can choose joy in that circumstance. And... It also gives us strength for when life throws us these hard times, when it throws us all kinds of trials, tribulations. We have strength when we choose joy because we have hope in the promises of God. All of those things that God is, his, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his creativity, his love, all of those things uh, boiled down in a book that we can read that is so full of the promises of God in His interactions with us that all we need to do is open it up and read it. And we can see everything that God thinks of us, everything that He has done for us, everything that He is willing to do for us, and we can hold on to those promises during trials. But it's a choice. It is a choice. I guess the last thing I want to say before I wrap up here tonight is that God wants us to experience His joy personally, um, but He also wants us to experience it together. And I guess the image that I have for this is that when we are, when we are pinned, when we are anchored, when we are filled to the brim with the joy that we found in Christ, it overflows to other people. And when we gather together like this in a community, 
we have the opportunity to let that overflow into others' lives. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong with this. I'm not saying that when you show up to church that it's more spiritual to put, on a, to put on a happy face so that we can all feel happy together. No, it's not about that. If you are going through rough times, if you are going through trials, we're going to feel grief. And that is okay to show that. That is okay to express that. Because God gave us an, our emotions for a reason. Underlining that, though, we all need to be able to encourage each other and overflow in that assurance, that joy that we have, that the joy of the Lord will be our strength in those times. I mean, like one of our, one of our goals for, for, vision, for our 2020 vision is growing mercy. What better way to start than to underpin our lives with that choice to choose joy? And that in choosing joy, we'll find the strength that we need for this life. So look, I'm not, here's the thing. It is a step of faith. And like any step of faith, it's, it's like a muscle. You have to train it. It's not something that's going to come naturally. So like, I would, I would encourage you, whether you opened up a Bible just this morning or yesterday, or maybe you haven't opened a Bible for years, I would encourage you to go home, find a Bible, open it up, and start listing the promises of God that He has made for you. Start listing them down. Pin them up somewhere that you can read them, somewhere that you can see them regularly, every day. Hold on to those promises. And with our thoughts, you know, when we, when we have all those voices telling us which way to go, what to feel, we have a choice to maybe center our identity, center our thoughts on the things that are right and pure and lovely. Or we can choose to dwell on the things that make us anxious or dwell on the things that are not true about us. It is a choice. But if we can choose joy in those circumstances, I'm not saying that circumstances are going to get better. That's why it's a step of faith. But what I am saying is that God's promises are there for a reason. And he assures us that when we choose joy, he is going to provide everything that we need to get through, to thrive, and not just to survive. So when we choose joy, we find strength for this life. We know that God is a God who will do what he said he will do. I just encourage you that if, if any of this stuff is... Um, making sense to you or if maybe you might be experiencing trials in your life right now. Maybe you're going through a really awesome springtime as we've heard alluded to a few times tonight. I just encourage you, think about this. Think about how quickly this runs out and know that ultimately our happiness will ebb and flow and that's perfectly natural. That's just who we are. But we have the choice to make to put ourselves under the attributes of God, his grace, his forgiveness in our lives, to know that we're forgiven, to know that we can enjoy the things that he has created for us. It's an amazing choice that we can make. I'm just going to pray really quickly. And um, there are a lot of opportunities that you can have to to get connected here with people that want to see 
that joy bubble up inside you, whether it's getting connected into a small group or maybe doing one of the courses that are around here. If you would like prayer for anything after, then come down the front. I'd be more than happy to, to talk with you and Pastor Steve here as well. We'd be more than happy to talk with you and pray for you. But I really do encourage you, take the time to list those promises that are in the Bible. Because when we choose joy, we can, no matter what emotions throw at us, no matter what circumstances are thrown at us, we can experience a life that is full and not parched and cramped and exhausted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every aspect of who you are, your, your love for us, your forgiveness toward us, your passionate, passionate pursuit of us, your, your creativity, your beauty. We just thank you that there is so much that we have to enjoy in you. And there's so much that you enjoy about us. I just pray that for everybody who's joining me here this evening, may we find hope in your promises. May we take that step of faith to choose joy. May we make the posture of our hearts, make the state of our minds aligning to your promises. May we, may we dwell on what is true, on what is lovely, on what is pure. And in the ups and downs of life, in the ebbs and flows, may you be at the center of it. May you be right there with us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.